Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Yeah, I mean, I got a healthy checkup, so my health is, or the eyes are fine. It's just this dilation. So now I feel like I can't see anything, but other than that. But uh, ST, thank you for being here. Appreciate you. Um, I don't even know where to start this off of. I guess we'll start this off with your, your productivity coach. How did this come about? What was the motivation behind it? What was the plan? Did you see yourself being here? Maybe just give the audience a little bit of a background and we'll fire away from there. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Chris. This is Really fun. I love doing this and I appreciate you having me on here today. Um, so actually productivity coach is just like the title to the work of what I do to help people almost understand it, like put it in a box. Um, but I don't really focus so much on productivity. I use a method called Feuerstein, and I'll tell you about that in a minute, but how I got involved into it, answering your question is when I was a kid, um, I struggled with reading. I was in like fifth grade and I still had a really hard time reading. And I went to like all these tutors and stuff and my parents like weren't seeing any results and they're like, okay, we need to try something else. So they like came up across this method of Feuerstein and brought in people to come, like there wasn't anyone in my town doing it. So to come and do those sessions. And it made such a drastic impact on my life that I was like, okay, this is way too cool. Because what it does is it doesn't just, I think it reading lessons. Instead, I worked on the core issues and how my brain would think. So my reading improved, my communication improved. I had more confidence. My friends improved. My marks in general went up. Everything in life just all got better because I didn't just focus on reading. I focused on why I was struggling Okay. reading. So yeah, so when I saw how much it uh, affected me, I was like, okay, I've got to learn this. And when I was 17, I started getting trained in it and worked and it morphed, like I worked with different groups. And now I like really focused more bringing that method into the productivity part for entrepreneurs. So when you say reading, do you mean like just reading in general or comprehension or? Yeah, so all of the above. Um, I, I Like I was able to read, but I still went for reading and for reading comprehension. I would go out like multiple times during the week, you know, like the private tutors yeah. um, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, because I struggled with that too. And I remember, you know, being in element, elementary and just that I could for some ever reason, whatever reason I could read, but I would never comprehend what I was reading. So when it came quiz time or anything, I had no clue. It was like, I just remember one question in fourth grade. It was like, how, I forgot what book it was, but it was like, how did this person feel? And I was like, I have no idea. And I remember just writing shocked and I don't, I guess it was wrong, obviously, but even till to this day, it's one of those things that I have to focus on and really sit down and, 
you know, uh, maybe read the paragraph once or twice or even a page just once or twice and go back. I don't know if it's a, we can result that to ADD or whatever, but yeah, in order to fully understand something, it takes me a few more minutes until this day. Yeah. So what I would say based now with my experience, I would say it's because of what's called your cognitive functions. Okay. So when we say thinking, thinking is not one big thing. It's made up of parts called cognitive functions, 28 of them actually. Now we all have stronger ones and weaker ones, but when we have weaker ones, it makes it harder to do certain tasks, i.e. reading comprehension. Um, So it's a reading comprehension. I'm assuming now in your life, like it's not a big deal because you're not answering questions. (laughs) How do they feel? Um, But Usually it's just a sign that there's other areas in your life that you're, that you have a hard time with. Now we all have this. So it's like, not just you, I'm just using this as an example. Right. (laughs) Um, But it's like, because it's not just the reading comprehension, it's how your brain is thinking about the reading comprehension. So you might also, I'm just like going to make up, but maybe you also struggle when you have conversations with people or when you're going to speech and hearing long, long speeches. And it's like, ah, I just can't do this or things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, that resonates a lot with me just because even, I don't know if I've said it on here before, but just even in my lifetime that having conversations with people, I felt like, I guess I don't want to say weird, but that's the first word that comes to mind that, you know, I wasn't really understanding what was going on or how to, you know, externalize, you know, what I was thinking inside my brain or if I was actually receiving what the other person was saying fully. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It totally makes sense. And, and you're not like crazy for thinking that it's because like one of these cognitive functions or a few of them are weaker. So that's it. When you fix them, then. Well, those cognitive functions, is that something just maybe not fully developed at the childhood age or it's something that, yeah, we got to continue to work on or what are we saying? Yeah. So, so there's a few parts. We, all are born naturally with some stronger ones and weaker ones. Sometimes sure. it's genetic. Sometimes it's like our environment helps us develop certain ones of them stronger. That's first of all. Um, second of all, it could be like emotion, like um, traumatic things affect your cognitive functions and your cognitive functions affect traumatic things. Like it goes both ways. So it could be a stupid thing that you had as a kid, but affects also your cognitive functions. Now, always you, everyone could always improve all of their 28 cognitive functions. So some of them might not be like making any problems in your life, but if you make it better, then your life will be even better. Um, but like, you just always want to work on them. Like I get to work on them while I work on sessions with people. So <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're, you're usually you'll want to work on it just on the ones that like are really making it hard for you in your life. So, so where does it go with your clients? Does it, do you first pick out which one are the weaker ones, I guess, and you start from there and which ones are the stronger ones and you focus on the weaker ones and you give exercises to strengthen the weaker ones? <laughs> yeah. So Obviously, we do assess like where your cognitive functions are for each of the 28, like on a scale from one through five, like how strong they are. Um, but when we're doing the actual work, I'm not specifically saying, OK, I am working on the cognitive function of blurred perception. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to we have like these they look like functions. They're like dots and you have to like find the shapes and the dots and things like that. And I'm watching how your brain is working okay. now the same way that your brain is trying to figure out this paper is how your brain sees life. So let's say I give you a paper that's full of thoughts and you're like, oh, my God, this is so overwhelming. I don't even know what to start. I don't even know what to do. That shows me anytime your boss gives you something to do or you have a job to clean up your house at home, you're also probably getting super overwhelmed, right? So what we will do is we will learn new strategies to um, change the way your brain thinks about it so it doesn't get overwhelmed when you're doing the paper. And then 
bridge it into life, right? Like I don't really care about the paper. I'm keeping caring about how it goes in your life. Yeah. Do you see uh how how do I want to explain this? Do you see a similarity in certain people that you're working with that certain cognitive functions are usually weaker than the other ones? Like as in like do people with ADHD have certain cognitive functions? <laughs> like with your clients, you always see like, okay, more time like nine times out of ten, they're gonna have you know, okay. Yeah. So there are some that are more popular, popular that like, yeah, a lot more people have. Yeah. So some really popular ones are, let's say stopping and thinking is a cognitive function that a lot of people have. Um, impulse, yeah. Having the ability to stop and think like consciously think, okay, I am stopping and thinking. So yeah. Like some people are just like so impulsive that they like their brain doesn't have that I shouldn't say it doesn't have the ability right now that right. that ability isn't strengthened, isn't developed. Sure, um, so okay. that is very common. Um, like it goes together with impulsivity. Um, people with blurred perception, like we're a little bit like what I said before, like they just see everything and it's like really messy and things like that. Um, another one is called um, systematic search, like being able to look for things in an organized manner, right? So like when you're looking for something in, let's say you're looking for your phone, you're looking, where are you looking? Most people, first they think, where was the last place I saw it? But then if they don't find it in that place, they're like looking all over. They're looking in their bedroom, in the kitchen, in their car. Like they're looking everywhere. And what happens is you look in the same place three times and you're missing out the place that it actually is in, yeah. right? So what you, and your brain's just getting like so overwhelmed. You can't even like find it, right? So when you do what's called systematic search, when you use the, that cognitive function, then you're looking in an order. You create an order for yourself, a system. And whatever it is, you can make it up from left to right, top to bottom, room to room, side by side, and you follow that order. Now, two things is going to happen. First of all, you're going to look at each place just once, but you're not going to skip any place. So you're eventually going to find it. And second of all, your brain is going to calm down. So you're going to be able to find it by looking for it. Because sometimes, you know, when you look for it and it's right there and you don't see it, or your brain is calmer now because it has a system. So it'll remember where you actually put it. But it's a system, so now it's going to find it. Does that go in ties with with those examples you just gave? This kind of made me think of this. That uh, I think Ben Grief, Greenfield. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's just big fitness kind of an influencer guy, and he's all about you know obviously the mind and body and soul. And he actually was talking about when you have a problem like that, if you can't find something, or if you're working on something very intensely and it's just not coming to you at that time, if you go instead of like sleep on it, if you go walk around and think on it or walk around and take your mind off of it, it actually will come to you, whatever you're trying to do. And is that just because the brain gets calmer at that time and then you're able to decompress? And- exactly. So one of the strategies that we speak about um, is called reframing. It's the same thing. It's like when you take a break for a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes, so it could be walking around, it could be taking a drink of water, basically like you calm your brain down and you come back to the task. So totally, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. I've, I've been trying to do that more often than not that when I have, problem or whatever i just try to go instead of you know sleep on i like to go walk and be active and that kind of tends to straighten things out for me or make things more in order like you were saying right right and now when you give that um what he like he gave you a strategy right or what you would call strategy. so when you give it a name then it's easier for your brain to circle pull it out when you need it next so right by saying walking on it instead of sleeping on it now your brain could say okay something came up. Okay. I need to walk on it. And then even if you're not actually walking and you go and like cook or you go and whatever you do, your, your brain knows it's doing this strategy of walking on it. Is that what the brain likes? It just likes order and it likes structure. And so, and that makes everything 
more comprehensive and more easier for the brain to react to things and work? Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously there are times for when we want the creative, like I'm not going to get on to like the things that I'm trained in different methods in the creative and like the emotions and of it, but usually running your everyday to be more efficient, to be more effective, to like, um, have less of like the stress and the tension. It wants order and systems and being able to like know what to do in any situation. Is that part of when people get super stressed out and, you know, filled with anxiety, they just don't know how to make their brain calm down or be self-aware and give the brain what it's actually wanting to make things you got it. There's like so much in what you just said. First of all, self-aware, that part, like thing, everything starts with self-aware. So sure. the fact of being self-aware of like what is happening here now, true. Most of the time when we have anxiety and we're stressed, like I'm not going to get into a, yes, there's real anxiety issues. And I'm not trying to like, put right, right. That, like no right. But usually what that really comes from is a cognitive deficiency. Your one of your cognitive functions are weak and it's stopping you from being able to do what you want to do, which is causing your anxiety. So when you know how to deal in the situation, when your brain has a new way of thinking about it, then you don't get the anxiety. Yeah. That was one of the things I've been learning over time, you know, with doing and talking with people like yourself and listening to other people and reading books that, you know, it seems the more common theme is that all these problems are created within ourselves just because people don't know how to handle them in a way and be self-aware and learn. And, I don't know, like if it's just an impulse, things they do or whatever, but it's just like not taking the time to kind of reflect and say like, oh, why, why did I feel that way? Or why did I do what I just did instead of, you know, and actually thinking about it, okay, when this problem comes again, how can I, yeah, how can I? Exactly yeah. what I was about to say. You're like reflecting. I'm like, yes, yeah, amazing. You're reflecting on something that happened, but how do you make sure it doesn't happen again? Exactly. By doing the reflection um, or like metacognition, I like to call it thinking about the thinking. So like, what happened now you could do this either in like when it fails or when it goes well, like what happened that made it fail or what happened that made it go well. So what should I do next time? So it should be better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I recently read, uh, well, it's probably been a few months now, James clear, uh, atomic habits. Ooh, one of my favorites. Okay, yeah, that's where a lot of things, you know, a lot of those books, almost, I feel like they're the same things over and over as far as like self-help and doing things the right way and building motivation and inspiring yourself. But for that book, it made a lot of sense to me. It was like, okay, start small and like do a positive behavioral loop and build that habit. And then, you know, kind of build off that and go on and go until you get to kind of where you want to be and get yourself out of these negative behavioral loops. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. One of my favorite parts about um, James Clare book is how organized it is. Like he explained things in such a concrete way. So even if like you technically knew all these things before now, like it all of a sudden makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. My dogs are going crazy right now for whatever reason. But yeah, it's just little small things like that, that people don't understand that if you, I think when they want to make a change in their life, and I'm generally speaking, of course, that, you know, they don't understand that they think they have to do something big, you know, and then when they, they it's almost like they're setting themselves up for failure rather than success. So if you want to do something big, take a small step, right? Then build. Yeah, it's always like just take action. And then like you take, you say you want to do this massive thing. And then, okay, so even if you start, but then like tomorrow you're going to be like, oh my God, this is way too big. I can't do this. So you're not going to ever end up doing it. Like starting like, right. You could like achieve every goal if you break it down into tiny, tiny, tiny little steps and like, oh, that's manageable. I can do that. And then there you go. After a couple weeks or months, you're, you have achieved your goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess maybe I'm making it easier said than done, but if people are doing kind of what we're saying right here, they can achieve pretty much anything they want to be. They just don't mind doing the work and taking the steps and take a couple losses here and there. But you know, eventually if you get to where you want to, or you'll get to where you want to be, hopefully. 
Yeah. Having that growth mindset of, you know, like the difference between growth and fixed mindset. Uh, well, no, well, I guess, well, I guess based on those words, growth is obviously wanting to learn and be open-minded and fixed is probably you're setting your ways and you never want to change. And yeah, yeah. you guessed it. So Carol Dweck actually is a psychologist in Stanford and she like wanted to research what makes someone like successful really. And that is what it came down to having that growth mindset versus fixed, like not the talents or the money or anything else. Um, and literally like, as long as you have that mindset of realizing that, you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. As long as like you're learning through this, you're going to take the feedback from it and like work hard at it and continue it. You're going to go and achieve whatever you want to achieve. So that's, you know, part of the brain where uh, I forgot who I was talking to, but he was talking about, it's like kind of survival instincts that the brain will kind of keep yourself out of bad situations because you're afraid to take a chance and afraid, Oh, this could end badly for you. And you don't want to not be able to eat, so to speak. And so maybe we shouldn't go after X, Y, and Z, or you might feel like a loser. And so you shouldn't try to take a chance on that. Right. That right. Cause of- your brain's like main goal, like pri- primary thing is just to keep you surviving. Like that's it. Like it's all thinking about how am I going to make sure I'm surviving? Yeah. I never thought about it in that way, but that makes perfect sense. Like, Oh, it's made for like the, you know, I don't know if you want to go back to like primal instincts or whatever. And it's like genetics prop down or whatever. But yeah, it's just like, oh, how do we stay alive back in the day? And it's like, maybe we shouldn't go after this big animal by ourselves, you know, which is thick. (laughs) Right. And that's why, like, we still don't do these things. That's why people are scared of, like, putting things out in the world or saying what they believe or anything like that. Because, again, it's going back to that surviving, like, oh, like, oh, my God, I'm going to get attacked. People are going to get to say mean things about me. And I don't want that. (laughs) Do you have any thoughts on genetic memory and stuff? Or yeah, I, my thoughts is, is I don't know enough to say about it as in like, it makes me either. like super, <laughs> I'm super interested, but I always like, I don't know, like, a, yeah, you know I, what I'm saying? He's <laughs> not like to do it. He's just cause it's cool to talk about it. Or whatever. It is cool. What do you say? Like, what's your perspective? I think there is something on it. Um, because you know, when I look at my parents and like how they are and I observe them like, okay, I understand where I got probably that part of the trade or when I see myself do something, Oh, that reminds me of mom or that reminds me of dad or, and, but you know, and also like when you look at animals though, when, um, you know, my friends have a bird dog, right. They've never trained it to bird hunt or do anything, but it naturally knows how to point at stuff. And we never taught it that. Yeah. Yeah, does it. Yeah. And so it's just like, well, I mean, it had to inherit that from somewhere. I don't know if that was a memory or whatever, but there's also another couple sayings that, you know, that's the reason kids are kind of scared of monsters or being afraid of the dark because, you know, back in, if you want to say primal days or caveman days, that that's how, what people were scared of was sleeping at night that a big cat or something was going to come get them. Right. And yeah. And so that's why most kids are probably scared of the night. So yeah. yeah, there is something to it. Yeah. But I like you, like you were saying, I don't know enough about it to actually talk intelligently about it, but it's fun to say that little bit that I know on right. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it also like obviously brings into the conversation of about nurture versus nature, you know? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, a lot of it is like your environment, which you grew up with too. And like how things are handled or given to you at an early age. So that's a good aspect of it. I mean, do you, like, I forgot what book it is, Coddling of the American Mind. And they were talking about how, have you read that book? No. So it's basically about, kind of like behavioral and what mindset is and just talking about why kids are having more mental illness in today's times. And basically it's all mainly goes towards social media and how the brain is not even able to handle that type of exposure. And obviously they're not getting, you know, if somebody gets no likes and gets cyber bullied, that that's the reason mental illnesses have risen. And I think it was probably more towards America, but 
Uh, but part of it, to, though, was that in the beginning, they did a, I forgot what study it was, but they did a thing with peanuts by giving children peanuts at an early age rather than and others holding them back. And the ones that who didn't get the peanuts at an early age and being exposed to certain things, they were became allergic to peanuts rather than getting them. Yeah. I know. It's so funny that you use that example of peanuts because right, like in America, it's like a whole thing that like you don't eat peanuts till like two years old or something. I don't know the exact age, Some, <laughs> something like that. And I know I'm in Israel. My mom's Israeli and in Israel, they give like, there's like this food. It's called like bomba. It's like, it's like puff things with like peanut butter on it. And it's like one of the first foods they eat because it's like soft and they like there, there's a whole lot less like peanut allergies like actually really like unlike in america where every second person is allergic to peanuts exactly right but i mean so with that said i mean do you think that you know and i'm no i'm not a father or anything but you know maybe putting children exposing to certain elements rather than hiding from it in the beginning helps with brain cognition and development oh my god totally yeah i'm like all for putting people in like this situation and they're going to become like that like actually professor Feuerstein, the um, the man that made up the method that I used, his grandson um, was Down syndrome and they're like, okay, like we're going to use this for him and see what we could do. And they decided that they're going to put him in a regular school. They're not putting him in a school, like a special needs school. They're putting him in a regular school and people thought they're crazy. He's just going to get, people are going to hurt him and whatever. And he's, he's like, no, let's try it. Let's see what happens. And within a week, tons of his like behaviors changed because he was in an environment of so-called regular normal people different like even like little behaviors like you know like how he had like his tongue more inside his mouth or things that like down syndrome people do naturally and like it's acceptable because they're down syndrome and really it's not a big deal especially if they're in such situations but if they could be like everyone else then and not have like so-called those stigma things of things of down syndrome then like why not so totally yeah. <laughs> Things about human beings. I mean, we're so able to adapt to, and I feel like we're able to adapt to almost any situation. And that if you put them in a, a person in a certain situation, yeah, they're going to adapt to the environment, adapt to the needs and wants and figure just figure out how to live for the most part. Um, yeah. Hopefully. I mean, or they're in the brain is going to try to do it as best they can. I mean, I don't know if that's a hundred percent accurate statement, but I know in, when I put myself in different scenarios that I'm, basically out of my comfort zone, I've known that, okay, it's a little weird at first, but eventually I've calmed down and made myself do the best I can from the situation. So I kind of, yeah, it eventually becomes normal. And you're like, uh, once this was hard for me and it's like, yeah, now it's normal. (laughs) Is that one of the things the brains need? Does it need challenges? Does it need difficult things to, in order to always be, I guess, working and always be, yeah, I guess working at the same time and trying to have that growth mindset? Does it need these? Yeah. Cause right. The brain is either growing or dying like everything else in life. And you have, I think like 800 billion neurons and on each neuron you have like, I don't know, something like a a couple hundred thousand dendrites, like pieces growing out. And every time you start do something challenges, you grow new dendrites. Um, And that's how like you literally want to just go and do challenging things, change the way your brain is thinking and, and challenge your brain. It's a muscle that needs to get used. Yeah, that's one of the doctors. I can't remember his name. Pat. I can't remember his last name now. Pat something. I have to look it up. But that was one of his ideologies or methodology ideologies, I guess, is that your brain or you just need to challenge yourself in a way every day in order to have longevity and to stay at these lives. I mean, for example, I mean, I've read, you know, certain coaches and stuff who've went coaching in their late 80s. But once they retired, they was like they almost just started into a dying process and they because they had nothing to do or keep them going. Right. And so it seems like that seems to be one of the norms among 
older people that if you that I've witnessed anyway, that if you keep challenging yourself and just not, you know, taking the easy road, that it seems to be very beneficial as far as, you know, the mind body. Yeah. Exactly. Like always just like learn new things, make yourself like a newbie in something every like couple of years. Like once you feel like, Hey, I'm being too comfortable. What new skill could I learn that I'm going to feel like I'm back in first grade. Do you, do you have any, uh, speaking of those 800 billion neurons and stuff? I mean, is that where, like, I don't know if this is kind of related to what we're talking about where, you know, your thoughts come from, or is it from the subconscious or, and that's kind of sparking ideas in your brain? Yeah. So to my now. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park I just want to like references that those are more like your, your 800 billion um, neuron connections is more like everything in of like your conscious, right? So think running your life, so your whole body, your digestive system, any decisions that you have to make any of the cognitive functions we spoke about, anything that's actually thinking. And then the, um, the non are like the, I guess thoughts are also part of it because you're thinking about it. your subconscious also has um, some thoughts. So thoughts are also part, I guess, of your, um, those 800 billion, actually, as I'm saying, I'm saying it out loud, I'm like thinking it through. I'm like, no, 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 they're part of it. Um, yeah. So actually another method that I'm trained in is called CJA. And what it does is it works on the, um, like it gives you access through your subconscious because what happens is usually um, when you're thinking, you're thinking logically, right? And you have all these neural pathways in your brain that's having you thinking. And then you have these like blockages that are in your way, either let's say, like you said, from social media, from things that people told you or from things that you tried in the past and you gave up. And these are blockages stopping you from thinking. So when you could access your subconscious through the back door, then what happens is you're creating new neuron connections. Part of those 80 billion and you are um don't have those blockages so you could get directly those answers that you're looking for did we talk about your methods i know you said something you had something earlier and i forgot what oh it yeah was. about four years theme. yeah it was just yeah. that's just the cognitive functions i didn't go deep into that um okay. because it could get very um i don't know how like scientific and technical and detailed well i, you mean, want, I, but I don't I, mind if you want i don't mind it i mean i mean if we go in detail and break it down because you know most of the stuff as far as I know, with thoughts, thinking, cognitive functions and development and the brain in general is just very vague definitions. And yes, it is all very vague and nobody really knows what I'm talking about. So I'm going to, I'll go as deep as you want me to go. So ask me more questions to get as deep as you want, but let's start with this. Okay. So like we said, thinking is not one big thing. It's made up of um, these 20 cognitive functions. Another way to look at it is there are three phases of thinking. Okay. okay. 
um, input, how we take in the information, elaboration, how we process the thinking, and output, how we tell the world what we know. So let's say, for example, somebody gets something wrong on a test. You have no idea if it's because they didn't understand the question, input. They understood the question, but they couldn't think of an answer, elaboration, or they know the answer and they just like couldn't write it and couldn't express it in the proper way. That's okay. output. Okay. Now, now the 20 cognitive functions we spoke about earlier are split among these three groups. Okay. okay. So we have, do you want examples of cognitive functions to make it a little bit easier for you? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So um, some of the cognitive functions, like I said, that we, that we like that are just very common. Like we said about before was like, um, focusing or like focusing and perceiving, but not like focusing. It's like being able to clear, cleared perception. I like to call it cleared perception or systematic search, seeing things organized. Another one of them is labeling, being able to like use vocabulary. Well, um, another one in the input phase is being like spatial aware, how much space things take up or how much space you take up in this world. All this has to do with directions. Um, another one is time. Anything that you're going to have to take in the information on is sure. coming on on input. Another one is like cons taking, considering two pieces of information at the same time, right? So if you want to do two plus two is four, you have to know two and two. Remember that and remember four at the same time. So that's all um, in the input. Now, the elaboration ones are going to be ones more that you that you're consciously um, like this is what people usually think about when they think about thinking. So let's say working memory, like information that you need to remember for doing your task or um, providing logical evidence, like why, or even like defining the actual problem. Like how many times have you solved a problem only to realize that wasn't the real problem? <laughs> right. Yep. So that's going to be um, in the, in the elaboration phase. And then output is anything telling the world what you know. So this is going to be um, being precise um, in your language or um, in like your, your output, like in your writing or things like that. It's being able to consider another person's perspective also. Um, so I know my answer, but what's your answer before I just say mine? Um, or visually transporting, being able to like think in your brain from one place to another. Okay. So that's just like in general. Okay. Wait, so real quick, do you know who Jordan Peterson is? Yes, yeah. I do. Of he, course. This, this kind of reminded me of this, that, you know, he talks about becoming more articulate a lot. And it's basically interpreting or giving the input, say, if I want to talk about genetic memory, right? And this is just for people who don't know. You take that input or get, get the input, process it. And then he's actually talks about writing down your thoughts, whether it be like two or three paragraphs. And that way you can explain it that way. And then hopefully then you have it sort set in your brain. Then you can externalize it via vocally on podcast or keep writing or whatever. And that seems to be the way that's helped me the most. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that's literally the three phases. Now you could go back and forth between their three phases. So, right. You just said the input elaboration output in very clear order, but let's say you just wrote it out and you're like, okay, I want to put it in a podcast but it's not perfect yet. So you could go back to input to get more information, elaboration, think about it more, and then only then go and produce your podcast. Yeah. See, that's, that's what I've been learned that I like doing is that, you know, sometimes I do when like we talk about genetic memory, I get on here and just start kind of talking out of my ass for lack of a better statement. But yeah, like if I write things down and kind of get my thoughts together and learn to what I really think, that makes me feel more, or feel better about externalizing them, I guess. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. So totally. <laughs> what are your What are your thoughts on uh, nootropics? Do you have any thoughts on that? Like supplements for the brain? Yes, I am a big believer in like what you put in your body has an effect on your brain. And I do take quite like few vitamins um, for those type of things. Um, usually I like to tell people to take like um, deep blood tests, like not just blood tests of like what your regular, when you go to your regular doctor, they're just going to give you a very standardized tests that like show you basically nothing. You want to go like deep and go like really, really into like what's going on there. And it has like massive effect afterwards to figure out what to take. Yeah. There's this, uh, one supplement, it's called alpha brain. It's made by on it. And I don't know if you know what that is, but when we first found out about it, some friends and I took it and it's basically just, I don't even, I can't remember what it is. And I know it has like some mushrooms in it, you know, like lion's mane and, uh, I figure there's probably a couple others that are supposed to be help for cognitive thinking or whatever. But, uh, you know, I was trying to analyze my own experience with it. And I noticed that sometimes I would say a couple words or bring, or, uh, a couple of vocabulary words or something just like talking with someone like you. And I remember this thinking, wait, I didn't, I don't think I've ever used that word before. Like, like, right? where, yeah. Like where did that come from? And like, you know, am I fully convinced that it was working or gave my brain a boost? Mm -hmm. I mean, Maybe to some extent, but I just remember just like there might be something to it. And I know they think they did a study and it was like a you know placebo effect and non-placebo effect and that and it was blonde. And I think more people did say something similar that they felt some kind of something different as far as a brain or as far as being more articulate, being more what, using words that they didn't use before, just or sorting out information. I don't know. But yeah, I just wonder like because I'm all about things like they're going to be better for the brain and help you know, myself, it become more like we're saying articulate and better at understanding things and be able to express myself better as far as certain topics. So yeah, I was just wondering if that's something you kind of promote or do anything. Yeah. So, so those type of things, like they're cool. Yeah. I'm not like against them, but I'm not a massive fan because to me, it's like putting on a bandaid instead of understanding what the real issue is. So you are taking this outside thing to help you become more articulate. But really, if you solve your, the way your brain is thinking, then you don't need to take those things because you become more articulate. Yeah. Yeah. You that get makes it? Perfect sense. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, we were talking about this too that we almost thought, and that's a good way. I'm glad you put it that way as far as putting a band aid on. It's like, so as far as like fitness wise and stuff, when people take all these random supplements, right? And they ended up not getting to where they want to be in life. So it's just, or where their goal of fitness goals are. And it's like, well, I mean, you know, you just can't take pre-workout and all this stuff just because somebody's telling you to and expect to be the next Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? But you actually got to put in a little work. So yeah, there is probably some benefit to it, but still you have to be doing other things in order to get the full effect. Does that kind of make sense? Does that kind of... Yeah. 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 Totally. That's why, like I said earlier, things that like your body naturally needs and is, if it isn't like, um, producing it could make like, could have a massive result, like little things, vitamin D or zinc or things like that. Um, yeah. Is there other exercises that you're doing, you know, by yourself to kind of keep your brain going or keep, you know, your own practices and, you know, trying to, right. So obviously I get to like challenge myself. First of all, when I do these sessions nice. um, with other people, I also, I'm always like learning, um, new, like taking the continue, continuing my learning in this, which kills your brain. Because when we, when I do a session with someone, it's like 40 minutes, nice and done. Your brain hurts, but like, you're fine for 40 minutes. When we're doing these training, you're doing like eight, 10 hours a day for like a week straight. I can't even tell you, like I sleep afterwards for like 
who knows how long, because like, it's like literally like work in your brain. Um, and I also like to like take the regular exercises that we do and like, um, put like a twist on it to like purposely challenge myself. I get a really good, like a really good thrill out of like coming up with a new creative way to make my brain think even harder. <laughs> well, that's good though. It's kind of what we were saying that I think the brain needs that multi and you know, do you feel like your brain adapts to those things and then you got to put your own little new twist on it to make it even harder? Exactly. Yeah. So I see like, yeah, like, so I master this level, let's go on to the next thing. And it's always like so hard in the beginning, but then like it, it has like um, ripple effects. Like I'll give you an example. One of the, like the parts that, um, that we work on is like instruction. So it's either like being able to give verbal instructions or accepting like written, inst- like oh, oh, anything having to do with instructions or directions or stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, hey, what if I take this and I use this to improve my memory because my memory was really weak. So what I would do is like they have um, this, a lot of like the papers are like full of like weird shapes and someone else has to write it to you and you have to write it. So you're listening to their instructions and then you're writing it. So I'm like, what if instead of someone reading it to me, I'm going to record myself, listen to it, wait a few seconds and then have to write it. Right. So I have to remember where all the shapes were, what size they were, what direction, what color, all those things, and then draw it and like compare it to in the beginning. Like it was so hard. I couldn't do it for more than 10 minutes because my brain was actually like burning from it. But after doing it quite some time, my memory like really improved in other areas. And I was like, this is so cool. Like you could like really challenge yourself and like improve different areas of your life. Is that almost like having a photographic memory? Yes and no. So it's, I, you could use it to help, like, depends how you, how you, I guess, do the recording. You could help yourself do with the memory. I was doing it more for like, um, also the spatial, because that is a bit like, I have, I have a bit of a challenger with like more like rights and left and like how far things are from each other. Um, things like that. Right. So even if I know my rights and left, as soon as someone's in a different direction, could you tell that, right? Like, they're where their rights and left are, or imagining them in a different place. If they're standing at the grocery store and I'm at home, where is the, like the register in relation to whatever. Right. So that, that also has to do with spatial. So I happen to have done the recording focusing more on like in the right corner on the top, like that type of thing um, to focus on that, but how, whatever you put your focus on, you can improve. Yeah. I mean, it makes so much sense that the brain, you know, the more you, challenge it the more you do these exercises the more you do stuff you're going to get some benefit out of it and, you know even doing these like you were talking about you know doing these podcasts or even you know so i drove to the beach last weekend and just mentally just driving for almost three to four hours straight i was just no i wasn't really physically exhausted but i could tell just like my brain was just kind of like can we just zone out for a moment you know and that's kind of how i relax like you know when i do these when i'm at work all day then when i'm doing my workouts and my training that when i get home it's just kind of like all right, this need to, my brain's just had enough for today. When, which, and I like to watch stuff that's like, I can watch something mindlessly where I don't need to think about it and I can get some laughs. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, we're in, like, it's cause it's, I'm almost feel like I'm overloading it at times just because, you know, I'm trying to get in, read my certain amount of pages every day, do these, like I said, work. Then, like, I, you know, mentally put it through a tough workout. Then eventually it's just like, stop. All right. Coach a couple of classes and. Yes. Like, your brain needs breaks also. <laughs> but. And that's a really and that, big one. And that's something I've learned, though, is that, you know, I used to think that, wait, what are you talking about? You're tired. All we did was just drive or whatever. But, yeah, I've learned that it was, okay, mom wants a break just from, you know, driving 80 miles an hour down the road, you know. Because, you know, probably in the beginning, like we were talking about earlier in this conversation, that 
Ranger probably never really meant to do that. You know, how do we ever like interpret driving around 70 miles an hour and like being aware of everything at the same time? <laughs> yeah. And that yeah, driving is a very mentally draining thing because even though we do like a hundred other things while we're driving and we don't think of it as it's like the amount of information. If you think about it for a second, what your brain has to do while you're driving is crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, and right? it's also one of those things that I, I can always forget about this, but you know, sometimes you end up at, from point A to point B, then you get to point B and you're like, wait, did I stop at any of those red lights? <laughs> right? It's like, how did I do that? You know, it's, why did I get, when did I get here? Yeah. Well, speaking of driving, another thing you could do to challenge your brain is if you usually like use Google Maps or Waze, try next time going to the same place that you've been to before without it. That is a challenge for your brain if you have a hard time with directions. <laughs> uh, my mom, uh, this, well, this is related. My mom went to, um, an appointment about an hour away from where she lives and she forgot her phone. And she said she was so nervous and worried about getting there because and she'd been there before, but even she always uses Google Maps or whatever she's using, Apple Maps. And yes, yeah, she was so nervous and like could not handle it. She's like, I had no one to call. I didn't know what to do. Right. Like, so I'm like, okay, I'm doing this, but like my phone's right here. So like worst case, I could just pull it out. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, Elon Musk, that's what he says that, that we're a cyborg now with our phones that, you know, because that, we carry that thing around with us everywhere. And without it, you know, we almost go into a complete shutdown mode. Yeah. Like you think about it, you told me a story about a time that your mom one time left without her phone only to show how like we just take our phone everywhere. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm cause I'm the same way. Cause when she was talking about it, I was really like, well, yeah, that's happened to me before. And I was, I felt weird, you know, I felt like I was exactly. walking around, you know, work. I was like, man, what do I, what am I supposed to do? You know, then plus when you get in those awkward situations, you just pull out your phone and just, I'll check out the weather real quick and act like I'm doing right. <laughs> like you said, we and our phones together everywhere. Um, but I think I'm supposed to, I wanted to ask you I, I, something else I saw about you or read about you is that, uh, I think you promote writing with our non-dominant hand. Yes. That was that CJA that I started like mentioning about, um, but that, to get to that, not to your subconscious without going through those barriers, um, you write with your non-dominant hand because when you're writing with your regular hand that you usually used to write with, then you already have all those neuropathies. You already have all those blockages. You're caring about the spelling. You think about the grammar, you write like you're thinking in a specific way. When you write with your non-dominant hand, do it without thinking and you'll get directly to your emotions, to your amygdala, the part that stores a lot of your emotions um, and you'll, and your subconscious. Is that one of those things uh, I've done these a couple of times in college that our professor had us to do? It's like you either start typing or start writing just whatever's coming to your mind. Dream of conscious. <laughs> and then, eventually, yeah. then eventually just whatever takes over and you're not even sure what you're writing about. And I guess your magic happened. Exactly. So a faster way to do that or like a more efficient way, I would say, is with your non-dominant hand. So what you want to do is you want to take two different color markers. Usually you could use pens, but it's way funner with markers. And then you write the questions thinking logically with your dominant hand, the hand you usually used to write with. And without thinking, just write the answers. So you're going back and forth between your logic and your emotions, your conscious and your subconscious. And you're like, okay, what do I do in this situation? Get your answer. How do I get your answer like back and forth right ah that's a good way to do it never thought about yeah. it that way do you journal do you journal um yes i do that is not always do i use my non-dominant hand but a lot of times try to journal every morning doesn't always happen but me too but i try <laughs> yeah. like try to like we were talking about jordan peterson like i try to write down my thoughts and either way i can and 
basically it comes, do I do it every day? No, but I try to make myself at least do it once a week now, just because it's one of those things I got to get trying to build that habit. Like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. It benefits me, you know, basically like I was saying that there's something to it that I used to overlook and think it was weird and like, Oh, you know, Oh my God, totally. I was the same thing. Like no journals are not my things. Like never like into this diary thing. Like that was just not. And then (laughs) I actually only became into it because I started when I got trained into the CJA thing. And like, I, all of a sudden I had to, for like the training to have the journal. I'm like, actually, actually the school. (laughs) You know, and, and, and touching on that, you know, and when I was in high school and university that I used to think that working hard was lame and stupid, you know, that, you know, when people would actually, work hard and do great in high school or whatever and get good grades. I used to be thinking like, that's stupid. Why are they doing that? You know, and like mindset. I think that's what it was that it was one of those things that I didn't know the importance of actually working at something and doing something. Well, I used to think it was, like I said, it was lame and like, Oh, they're nerds. Who cares? But, right. now, but now I look at it and it's completely different. It's like, I should have been doing that back in the day. It's like, right, like I admire that person. Yeah, I, I, like, what, what, what was I doing back then? And just like, why did I think the way that I thought right then? And wish I could go back in time. But yeah, it was like how much Teenager. things. Were, yeah, but I just always used to think that. And I guess it could always be, you know, the people I was around too that, you know, oh man, you're not cool if you're doing things the right way. You should just not do your homework and be that guy, you know, and be make fun of it. And, but, yeah, I guess there's a reason why you become uh, five people you spend the most time with so. that's a great quote i like that and then that makes me think about it too it's like let me think about who i was hanging out with and let me see what i was doing back then so, okay that makes perfect sense now yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah just mine's always growing and i think even those do you think some people with that fixed mindset that is it just they maybe try to make a change and they just immediately just say no and shut it down completely until, but there's maybe one little moment in life that will happen. Like, I guess what I'm asking is, is it, do you think it's easy or hard to get out of a fixed mindset? Yeah. So I think that we actually both had, we all have both a fixed and a growth mindset. So think of anything you're good at. It's because you only got there because you had a growth mindset about it. And anything that you're like, nah, I don't do oh. that. That's because you have a fixed mindset about it. Now it's fine. You don't have to be amazing at everything. Right. Um, but the difference is you want to recognize that, no, I'm not doing this because I don't want to try it. I'm too scared to do this. You're trying that I'm consciously saying it's not worth my time and effort right now. when I'd rather become better at this than at that. Um, but people with a fixed mindset, they're going to have to recognize like if they want to, um, what stage they are at. So there's like, actually like these official steps that go like from the fix to the growth mindset. Like I won't do this. I can't do this. I want to do this. How do I do this? Um, I will do this. I think I could be, I skipped one. And then, um, I did it basically. Right. So you don't have to go right away from like, no, this is impossible. I can't ever do it to accomplishing it, but rather like moving up, like maybe it's a possibility. And then like, how will I do it? And like moving up along with that. With your clients that you work with, I mean, do you, are most of them coming to you just because they want to be more efficient and effective at daily tasks, kind of what we've been saying, or they just have found some kind of bad situation and like, oh, I got to get out of this habit or like, what do you see most? Like when- Yeah. So, so it really depends. Um, different people come for different things. Usually people that come to me already, like they want to grow, like they're like past the stage of like me trying to have to like convince them, like, um, like, that's great, but like, I'm, I'm usually more working with like more people. Cause I'm going to push you really, really hard. So if I have to convince you and then push you hard, then, right. Like you're, they're usually like, 
Um, yeah, they want to be more vision effective. They want to be more productive. They want to grow their businesses. They feel really stuck. Sometimes they feel very overwhelmed and they like know there's a better way, but they're like, what's that better way? Um, that's a very big one also. Yeah. A growth mindset, learn to improve, always change, always do something big with yourself. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's take this home on that right there. Um, if people want to find you and if you want to plug anything, all your good stuff that you got going on, feel free to do that. Yes. Okay. So you could find me at lifepicksuniversity.com. That's lifepicksuniversity.com. You will find all the information there. And if you like podcasts, it's also Life Picks University. Um, so check that out where we go through the cognitive functions and give you strategies and help you improve your life. Nice. ST, thanks for doing this. This was awesome. Yes. Thank you so much. This was fun. Really fun. Thank you, Chris. Right. Cool. All right. We're out of here, folks. Later. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park